down to the peak. Podcast. Viewer discretion advised. Thunder, feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. Thunder, feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again. I'm here to stay. I don't want nobody to try to split us up. We all one team. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Peak and Roll Podcast. I'm Chuck Cheney. I am your loyal host, and tonight this podcast is sponsored by Kibo Commercial Real Estate. For all your commercial real estate needs, Kibo is the choice for you. Whether it's local in Oklahoma City or anywhere in the gosh darn United States, Nick Gray can find you in the office of your dreams. Whether it's owning or leasing, you can find him at Twitter at Kibo Commercial or contact him at KiboCommercial.com. Kibo Commercial Real Estate and Nick Gray is the choice for you. Tonight, we're going to talk Mello. He's been traded. Unfortunately, he's gone to the Atlanta Hawks. You know, I'm a Mello stan, but we brought in Patrick Muldowney of the Ringer. He's going to talk Thunder and Mello. He's been a longtime Thunder fan. Uh, I think Patrick's been a Thunder Digest follower since like the early days when he was working for ESPN. So uh, it's always been great interacting with uh, Patrick, especially because we're both Masa- we both like the Pirates for some god awful reason. We like to watch a team lose. So um, Patrick, thanks for joining the podcast on such short notice. I think like an hour and a half notice, maybe. Jock, happy to be here. Uh, you know, it's kind of been the summer of like emergency podcasts and uh, just breaking news in the league. Um, you know, I, it, it appears as if the league does not take our schedules into consideration. Hell when no. Uh, you know, shams and woes dropping bombs. I'm at least on the West Coast, but it was still, you know, 1.30 in the morning the other night when the Kawhi trade was announced. I'm like, guys, we, we for sure could have Was it 1.30? All right, so I woke up like 5.30 in the morning to let my dog out. And I just happened to look at my phone. I don't. So here's the thing. I don't have woes or shams on notifications. Uh, people say that's like a sacrilegious thing. I don't. I think enough people tweet out their stuff or retweet it. I don't need the notifications. I'm I'm 100 with you on that. Um, and I just happened to look at my phone, and sure enough, Kawhi got traded. Same thing happened today. I won't lie. I'm playing MLB the show, and I I take a second between games. I look down. Literally, it was 20 said 22 seconds. The mellow comment. I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like. How? What are the odds? But yeah, I mean, emergency podcasts all around. I can't imagine yesterday being a a Raps or a Spurs guy and having to do that so early. Like, no, honey, I'm gonna be late for work. I have to pod this first. Literally. No, hun- no, honey, I can't feed our child. I gotta, I gotta talk about Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> We're gonna have to have a talk with Pop and Masai about you know moves moving forward. Oh my god! Like it's such an awkward time. I say that, but Serge Ibaka signed a four year deal at like three thirty in the morning local time. Uh, a few years ago, when he's with his first extension with the Thunder, so it, that's an NBA thing. The NBA never sleeps, and I think that's what makes it such a wonderful sport, and that's why it's my favorite. My favorite part about the the Kawhi uh, DeRozan trade too was that it literally happened about five hours after summer league had ended, which the <laughs> end of summer league is that's the closest thing that we get to uh, quasi beginning of a break. Uh, especially since LeBron had already signed, there was obviously some chips still in the air. But you know, the end, the summer league ended, and literally a half a night's sleep later. The- Man, so I want to be the person who made that huge <laughs> aspect to flip. I think I think it was MGM 
They had it minus 800 quiet to the wraps, and then all of a sudden, like within minutes, it flipped to plus 200. <laughs> well, hopefully there were some drunk people in Vegas that had stuck around for the tra- championship does that, game. Does they that qualify it. for insider trading, I guess? <laughs> I follow Woj and Shams on Twitter. <laughs> That's enough. That's all you need. Like, <laughs> Woj one day is going to be like, hey, Pat, you're having a boy. What? I'm not even pregnant. Oh, shit, she's pregnant. <laughs> How about that? He would tell me that I, I have cancer like three years in advance. I'd be like, nah. And he's like, no, just wait. <laughs> and uh, But let's let's get back to the Thunder. Today, uh, the Thunder traded Carmelo Anthony and a lottery-protected first-round 2022 pick. Lottery-protected, they get Dennis Schroeder. And we're going to – Timothy Lowell Cobray. That's how I'm going to leave it. We're going to call him from TLC from here on out. That way, I, I, I get to butcher it. Patrick just gets to say TLC. And maybe a Chasing Waterfalls reference. Who knows? Um, but when you trade those and gone is Melo and his $28 million. And Patrick, a lot of people in Thunderland, while we're not always the most savviest person, some of them really think he should opt out. He'd be stupid not to have opted into that $28 million. Am I right? There's no doubt. I, I mean, anybody that was that was paying attention to either the way that Melo has made decisions throughout his career uh, or the way really – in general, that the league has gone, uh, we all knew that Melo was going to opt into that, and he should have. It was it was the smart thing to do. Uh, you know, it, this kind of actually is one of the rare situations in the NBA, especially on the heels of the Kawhi situation, where everybody kind of ends up getting what they want. Uh, Melo still gets paid. The Hawks move Schroeder. Schroeder. Uh, the Thunder get out of the you know out of damn near a hundred million dollars uh, when you consider all finances at the end of this. And $78.2 million they, they get back. It's impressive. It's, it's, it, it is incredible. I mean, when you looked at uh, – when they re-signed Paul George and you looked at the current contract situation uh, and the salary cap situation that the Thunder were looking at, uh, you know, it almost didn't make sense. It, it was almost unfathomable that a team that we essentially know as constructed at the time uh, was not going to beat the Warriors could have been that deep over the cap – uh, so, you know, they, it's, Presti knew that he had another move to make. Uh, the Thunder knew that there was another move to make. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't hate Melo for getting the money. Uh, I, I'm happy that the Thunder were, you know, able to get out from underneath that contract. I still don't blame them for taking a shot on it last year. Uh, you know, I, we, we heard it. If we heard it once, we heard it a million times. There's always a chance we'll get Olympic Melo. Uh, well, you know, it, best case scenario, it could have been a great situation last year. Uh, but, you know, it, it ended up being, uh, I think we can all agree now, an addition by subtraction uh, with Melo moving on from the Thunder uh, for the 18-19 season. I mean, there, there, there's an argument to be made that we got Olympic Melo. It just didn't fit this, this, this system. Melo averaged 16.5 points a game. He hit a career high in three-pointers and only averaged 16 points a game. Um, and I think ESPN posted a stat today. His usage i think it's a i know we don't like to use per but just his everything was just on the decline since like 2012 2013 season he's just been on this drastic decline and i think we've got shades of olympic mellow i just think it didn't work i, I you know what i applaud mellow and i and mellow obviously is going to listen to this podcast and i mean i think for mellow for even trying he didn't complain once throughout the season people uh reference his kind of blow up on the bench in game five of the western of uh, the western playoffs against the jazz where the thunder made this huge comeback and mel was on the bench freaking out that's his only inclination that he was remotely upset all season long and then we learned at the exit interview dude's been frustrated all season long i applaud him for not even trying to make a scene he's part of the locker room and you know what he's 
I applaud his honesty talking. He could have lied and be like, no, this is fine. I, I looked to come back, but we knew he wasn't coming back. But he was just honest. He's like, yeah, we gotta, we, we'll have to address that. Now, a lot of people gave Melo shit for what he said at the exit interview, but you know, I really think, you know, kind of to your point, that was the best case scenario for everybody. Uh, you know, him even scoffing at the role or the notion of him coming off the bench. Because, uh, you know, again, we were living in this idyllic world where I, I think we would have all been okay with a different version of Melo still on this, albeit the contract still would have been an issue, but uh, him as a basketball player was still able to contribute on some level, but it wasn't going to be, we, it couldn't, the team wasn't going to succeed with Melo starting games, playing 30 to 35 minutes a night and closing games. Well, uh, that, that wasn't that's work. your point right there. Closing. Starting is such an arbitrary phrase or word. Sure, let the guy start. Trip, that's such a big deal. Let him start. But you know what? Play him 15, 20 minutes a game. He doesn't have to close games. Let Jeremy Grant close games. 100%. And even just looking at the way the season ended, the last like 90 seconds of that game against the Jazz, uh, I, I remember just being irate. And I was like, I, I, I never do the like record my TV with my phone. But I was so <laughs> mad that I think the Thunder were down – Three or four. Uh, I, I don't remember. How, yeah, I don't remember how many they lose. Ended up losing by, but it was a, it was a scenario where the season, the end of the season, is on the line, and there was about eleven seconds left, and the Jazz got the rebound, and I think Donovan Mitchell just started dribbling it out, and Melo just stood there. Like, <laughs> literally, all you have to do is run ten feet and smack somebody, not yeah. looking for a steal, not looking for you to make a play, just literally foul somebody, act like. <laughs> And he just – it was it was very clear at that point that uh, to me, I just – I was so angry just by the lack of effort. Just on that one play because there were certainly moments throughout the season where I, you know, yelled well, at myself. Well, I will say I think I think they had fouled earlier and maybe he thought they hadn't fouled because I remember yelling. I was like, what the hell? I thought they had fouled. Um, I, I think – but I definitely see what you're saying. I mean it looked lackadaisical on the, on the television. And, you know, the, the the biggest adjustment that the Thunder need to make for next season is spending time and energy to continue to develop Paul George, getting used to and getting comfortable playing alongside Russell Westbrook. Everything else is secondary to that. So to have what potentially could have been a mellow situation looming over them heading into the season, it would have been what all the questions were about. Donovan would have had to deal with, well, what are you going to do with Mello? Will he start? Will he close? And then Mello would have to respond to what Billy Donovan said. It would have just been too much drama, uh, even in the lead up to a season like this. Uh, I, I, I could not have been more surprised and excited when Paul George uh, re-signed with the Thunder. And it, w without a doubt at that moment, that became the sole focus of what this team needs to build around moving yeah. forward. Yeah. And uh, you know, Mello moving on was a part of that. Yeah, and um, yeah, oh man, I think we were all just pretty ecstatic about the Paul George thing. I mean, especially Thunder fans, we are kind of jaded at this point with free agency. I mean, like while we were like, yeah, we, we want all the great players, but like after Kevin Durant left, we're still just like, holy hell, um, it just kind of sucks. I mean, we sit there and uh, one player we thought was one of the greatest players and he loved Oklahoma City. Now, literally today, the dumbass said he'd be nowhere without Steph Curry. Give me a break. But anyway. <laughs> But, uh, which is saying a lot, Patrick, we've never really talked about that. I'm over Katie. Like, he's moved on. It's a business. I don't care. It's kind of like uh, the quiet thing. I think I tweeted out. I was like, this, uh, I was like, nothing means more in this league. No, loyal, there's no more loyalty except for, like, the bottom dollar. It's almost like Russell Westbrook. I was like, his is the bottom dollar, too. It was like Oklahoma City offering the max amount of money. If he was, if he could have got max money in somewhere else, he may have gone there. 
And they were like, no, he's like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, he's a fashion mogul in Oklahoma City. I was like, there's there's a reason why he's like, hey, I get max money and I still do my business in Oklahoma City and people don't have me with paparazzi. Why? This is perfect. So um, I'm with you on the KDU thing. Like, look, at the end of the day, like, I, I'm, I, I root for the Thunder. I'm a big Thunder fan. But I also, I just love basketball. 100% right there. When you look at like, the NFL offseason, Major League Baseball offseason, hockey's offseason, it's kind of just like we kind of get to forget about it for a little bit, which is insane because the NFL is still the most popular sport in this country. <laughs> the NFL but, gives us the wrong things to talk about, like after today. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. What a rabbit hole not to fall down. Right. Uh, but that's exactly right. And when the worst thing, I mean, still to this day, the worst thing anybody can say about LeBron in his career uh, is that he picked a shitty way to announce he was going to Miami. Uh, but it also created five years of the greatest storylines in the entire league, which kind of kicked us into overdrive in this new, you know, super team players take control uh, under the new CBA. They mm-hmm. are able to kind of weasel their way where they want to be. And, you know, KD ended up ending up in Golden State. While it, it seems inevitable that we know they're going to win until they don't, it's still good for basketball, for casual fans, for people to understand. You know, there are people that uh, I'm the good friends of mine that aren't like huge NBA fans, but they know the Warriors. They know about Steph and KD and Clay, and and that's how you, you know, it's it, there's a level of familiarity that brings value uh, to to the casual fans, and it gives us all something to root against. Yeah, I mean, you talk about casual fans today. Nowadays, you ask them who their favorite team is. Like the ca- most casual fans will say the the Bulls for a reason, one reason. We we all know that reason. Uh, it's because it's what they remember growing up as a kid. They remember watching Michael Jordan on TV. Yeah, so one, one of my it, first ever basketball games, I watched Jordan versus the Hawks in the playoffs. I I couldn't tell you what game that was, what year it was. I just remember watching the Hawks. On I remember seeing their logo on the on the court and watching Michael Jordan play the Hawks. I mean, the only that's I hate the fact that the Hawks were my first ever NBA memory, but it is. Well, I mean, it kind of comes full circle with what we're talking about tonight, then, doesn't it? All right. So while we were talking about that, I will say we talked about Melo and how it was kind of. Like how he tailed off towards the end of the year. I want I want to point out something. So Andre Roberson went to down with an injury on January 27th against Detroit. We all saw it. His his leg exploded and our season exploded in the same bit. Mello was averaging 17 and a half points a game, shooting 47 percent and 41 percent from three at, uh, during that point. After he went down, he went to 13.8 points a game, 37 and a half percent, and he was only shooting 35 percent from three. I'm telling you right now. Nobody ha- could tell you the effect that losing Andre Roberson had on this offense. And th- and that's probably the most overlooked thing. I, the the storyline throughout the playoffs was without Roberson, how are they going to defend? Do you think and, do you think uh Donovan Mitchell has a 38 point game against the Thunder with with Roberson out there probably not. He might have 30, but those 8 points are a big deal because they lost a couple of close games. And he's got to work a lot harder for the 30 that he ends up getting. 100%. And now what game six where he blows up for 15 in the third quarter, that probably doesn't happen. Maybe he's a little tired after playing six straight games against one of the more physical defenders in the NBA. Um, and you, no matter who was on, who, no matter who is on the floor taking minutes for Roberson, they're going to be one they're going to want to be more involved in the offense than he will. Absolutely. You can pass him the ball wide open on the block, and he's like, nah, I'm good, bro, and he'll try to find somebody else. You know what's crazy, though, is our Andre Robson shot 65% from the field this year because he's a sla- he, he figured out how to score. I think he averaged a career high in points. So he's a slasher. He's a back cutter. Um, and like on that same one where he got injured, he literally cut across the back baseline and was going up for a dunk. He'd been doing that all year because they'd beat the Warriors by doing the same damn thing. I'm sure Kerr would have – 
Kerr would have fixed that. He'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to have Draymond just body check that kid. But they, but here's the thing. They, the pieces were there. And that's why I honestly said, man, I want one more year. Because did you – all right, so from December 1 through January 27th, I call that the real NBA season. Because before that, the Thunder were 8-12, and 12, and it was the ugly – do you remember that last game of that month? They got blown out by the Magic, who were just garbage. I think it was like 30-point loss. But from that point on, they had the second-best record in the NBA behind Golden State. Their starting lineup was 17-0. and 0. So, and they had the number one offense and the fifth best defense. When when they were cool, that's why I wanted one more year. But and my, that brings me to my point, my rambling Patrick, or Pat, however you want to be referred to. But anyway, um, why do why do fans care so much about what how NBA teams spend? It's not our money. Why do we care about other people's money so much? Like you talk about, like the Thunder being three hundred million in tax and cap. But like as if, as me, I'm just like it's not my money. I don't care what you do with it. I mean, my least favorite narrative was that it was such an unselfish move by Kevin Durant to take less money so the Warriors had enough to sign Boogie Cousins. No, they still could have signed Boogie Cousins. It just would have cost them cost the owners a lot more money. So See, not yeah. would be willing to do it is, a, is another question. But I'm with you, man. One of my biggest stances in all of sports, which is a very generalized take across <laughs> the board for all sports, owners shouldn't own sports teams to make money. And I know it's technically a business and everything comes down to the bottom line but you know as you mentioned off the top as a pirates fan i was about to say would you have that take if you were a pirates fan i mean here's the thing we see it year after year i mean how many former pirates i mean half the damn astros starting rotation used to play in pittsburgh but you know the the, the organization doesn't want to pay them and similarly in Oklahoma City, another small market. Uh, I've actually been pleasantly surprised over the last, you know, half decade or so that the te- pretty much since the criticism that they took for the Harden trade, because the reportedly not wanting to pay the tax that they would have had to pay, uh, you know, I, I think they learned a lot from that. Hopefully, uh, because that was the, that was the only criticism that I saw of the Paul George thing. It's like, oh, why are they willing to spend now, but they weren't willing to spend whenever they had James Harden? Well, because this is how things work. You screw up really bad. You spend a couple of years having everybody tell you that you screwed up, and then you act differently and learn from that moving forward. Absolutely. So, like I saw today, people were like, oh, they're going to pay all this for TLC, but because I think TLC is going to cost them like $10 million in tax or like $8.99 million in just with tax and everything. But here's the thing you learn from it. Shit, yeah, you, they didn't know the cap was going to jump like this. They were worried about the repeater tax because then it was. I mean, I think it's still roughly the same. So if you get over a certain amount, like right now, with Mellow, the Thunder, for those who didn't know, if you're over $20 million over the tax line, you are taxed $4.50 per dollar. So Mellow's $27.9 million was $132.5 million in total. That's, yeah. So when the numbers get that big, I can't blame the team for making a move. No. Uh, I mean... is this is the Twitter culture, right? I say this as a guy that works in social media. Uh, follow the Ringer uh, on Twitter, um, but but it's you know if the Thunder don't re-sign Paul George and don't add pieces around Russ, it's going to be oh same old Thunder, not willing to spend money. But if they do, the reaction is oh now they're willing to spend money, but they wouldn't spend money before. It's a lose lose situation. You kind of got to take it all with a grain of salt. I think what we are looking at right now is. This is going to be a more complete, well-rounded basketball team heading into next season than it was this last season. And the teams ahead of them, it, at least Houston, uh, I, I'm of the opinion that Houston will be taking a worse roster onto the floor as currently constructed 
uh, at the beginning of this season than they ended the season with last year. Um, and, you know, I'm torn. I, re- I like, I don't know. Like I'm saying I was, I, I put out a poll a couple weeks ago and I got just destroyed. I said, why? And I just was, I think I'd been drinking honestly. And I said, why would the Thunder just release mellow to, so the, the rocks can sign him. I was like, why would they help the rockets improve? And people just lit me up. Like of people, like, I don't know. I think it had like 2000 votes on it. It just, I just got lit up. My point is, you're just going to get Melo a chance to stand in the corner and shoot threes. I think he's going to do well there, and that worries me. He might, but the the flip side to that is you know, he minutes that he will be taking on the floor. Uh, you know, th- that's a team that already struggled defensively. Uh, they lost Ariza. Uh, they we don't really. They lost Mbamute. We don't know what's happening with Clint Capella, which yeah. is the biggest mystery of the NBA offseason, if you ask me. Uh, obviously, they're just you know miles away from agreement on you know what his value is for this team next year. But if you take away those three guys, if Capella ends up you know, somehow not on that Rockets roster next year, and the additions that you make are Mello and Michael Carter Williams, uh, you can't tell me that that team is in a better position to succeed oh, no. than it was last year. When you have two ball dominant, ball handling and heavy, shooting heavy guys with Chris Paul and James Harden, who you want them to have the ball. They are better. Your team is better off when they are controlling the basketball. So, uh, you know, the 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 moves that the Rockets have made to me uh, indicate that is going to be a worse team taking the floor. Again, uh, caveat all of this with I'm referencing only the team they'll start with at the beginning of the season uh, because, you know, Daryl Morey is a very, very, very smart man. And I I think they will make necessary moves as necessary. Yeah, maybe. It also may be the type where like people are like, maybe I don't want to work with the Rockets. I don't want to help them become the next Warriors because um, we're kind of seeing that now with the Warriors. Now people are, are more likely not to trade with them or do something. Like, why would I help you get better? It just yeah. hurts me in the long run. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the Clint Capella thing. I'm sitting here going, I don't know where he'd go. Like, I, I don't know the cap situation with every team in the NBA, but I'm just trying to think, what if like tomorrow he signed to the Kings? How crazy would that be? Like we get up at like 8 a.m. in the morning, 6 a.m., and we'll just like, Clint Capella has agreed to a one-year, twenty million dollar with the Kings. So this is, and I think that's, I, I think it's a possibility. We've seen, I mean, the we, we've seen the team money is a big deal apparently. We've seen the Kings take some stabs. Um, it, like here's where kind of I land on the smell of stuff. Let's let's operate under the assumption that he ends up in Houston. Um, it seems to be pointing in that direction. If Melo ends up in Houston, if the Thunder's roster stays as currently constructed. Uh, we know that LeBron is now with the Lakers and the Warriors, let's say Boogie comes back in February and is able to play um, at 80% of what he was. What is the best case scenario, say regular season for the Thunder next year? Is it a third seed in the West? Is it, could they potentially be a two seed in the West? Does it matter? Do, does Golden State maybe rest some guys heading into the playoffs? Is it insane to say the Thunder could have the best record in the Western Conference regular season next year? I think, I, you know who it'll come down to? And we're not going to talk about Schroeder. I think it comes down to Nerland Noel. I, I think it really does. That's such a key player because last year Steven Adams was playing a stupid-ass amount of minutes and there was no reserve. I, I like Dakari Johnson. He's a wonderful kid, but he is not ready to be in that role yet. Actually, I don't know if he's an NBA player, quite to be honest. But now you bring in Nerland Noel, who has been we, – we, I don't – I read a few Mavericks, uh, SB stuff, SB Nation stuff. People really don't think he was hurt last year. We we know the Mavs were tanking. 
They're not. Why would they offer him four million, four years, seventy million dollars if he wasn't a good player? Cuban's not an idiot. He's not going to just throw money like that out there to a player. So why would they offer him this money if he wasn't talented? Now he gets a chance, one year, one point seven million dollars to give it a shot. Go out there, be a good backup, or hell, he might even start the four. We don't know. We don't know right now with this lineup. The only thing we know, we know four starting positions, and that's it. And the rest is kind of like, hey, fish in a barrel. Just choose whatever you want. I think it comes down to Erlings Noel. He's he's got to be the the if he plays a four, he's got to be able to hit shots, spread the floor out, and play a little bit defense. That's where I think the key next year for me the ceiling. I mean, I think it's a two seed. But like you said, the Warriors. I mean, Boogie's not coming back till at least February, and then we don't know how he's going to be. I mean, off top of your head, name the people that are still played at a. Quality level after they've torn their Achilles. Nobody's come back to 100%. Oh, dang it. Uh, played for the Hawks. Neek? Yeah, Dominic Wilkins. I can't want to say Wilkinson, but it's Dominic Wilkins. He tore his. That's it. And he came <laughs> back and he made an all-star team. Kobe was done after him. I mean, he scored, he scored 50 on 50, but still. Yeah, and shouts to Kobe. That's perfect uh, sign-off. But uh, I, I don't know. But again, he'll also need to do a lot less than he ever has had to do in his career. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I definitely think it was, the West was so crazy last year with you know, it was obviously Houston and Golden State. And then it was, you know, just a battle royale mm-hmm. for basically three through ten. ten. And you know, I, I, I will likely see some separation this year, but it, it'll be interesting to see if we end up with uh, it's like the Warriors and Rockets, and then maybe a second tier of the Thunder and the Lakers. And then, but I mean, the Jazz are going to be better this year than they were last year. Um, it, so maybe it, they're kind of right there. Uh, but it's, it's, it is absolutely brutal. Um, it's it's going to be a battle, but I, I am endlessly optimistic about the Thunder's opportunity and the chances that this team has this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Westbrook, nobody's coming around on Westbrook. You either love him or you hate him. And, you know, I, I've firmly been in camp. I love Russell Westbrook since his rookie season. And, uh, you know, it's... I'm literally wearing a shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, the ringer is a tough place to work as a guy that absolutely loves Russell Westbrook. There's, there's maybe two or three of us, but... but I, I was is... going to ask. I was like, so you work with Bill. I mean, I don't know how often you actually get to see or meet him. I mean, but yeah, it's got to be a tough place as much as he is so hard up on the Thunder. I'm sure people... Uh, or with his view a little bit too. I, it's fun, and I, I, in, as far as Bill goes, he's around. You'd be surprised, man. He's around every day. He's in meetings. Uh, he, he's he's a huge part of the day to day of what we do there. That's awesome. Uh, it's he's he's he probably spends more time in the office than you know some of our you know twenty four year olds. Um, it, I hate listening to his podcast all the time. I mean, he I mean, he probably <laughs> spends sixty hours in the office just recording podcasts every week. So I, I, have, I have a question for that. How much of his, his stuff he does that he says? Do you think he actually means, or do you think he just says things to rile people up? So I, you know, I, the Ringer went down to Vegas uh, for the first weekend of summer league, uh, and it was we had a, a sponsorship opportunity with BMW uh, for a little road trip. So it was Bill Joe House, his long time long time friend, um, who's on his podcast all the time, uh, and then me uh, in a BMW X3 road tripping from LA to Vegas. And, you know, that was just one of many opportunities I've had to kind of just, you know, see Bill in his element. And 
he he's not a provocateur. He's not a. There's a lot of guys that go on TV that just say things, and I, you know, I'm not going to name any names because you know, I used to work at Fox. I used to work at ESPN. I don't yeah. think names need to be named. Um, but you you Skip you can. Bayless. I'll do it. You can't do it. I could do it. I can do it. Um, but he's very good at what he does. I'll say that. Uh, but you know, th- there are guys that either go That's on TV. Why he gets paid the money. It's it's true, and you know, they will say things because they know how to poke the hive. Uh, you know, Bill's great. You know, I, but he's he great. doesn't do it. No, if he says something, he believes it. That's cool. I mean, I I've, I followed Bill ever since he had his uh, column, and I remember the first time I got hooked was reading his mailbag. I mean, he says he says shit that gets people riled up, and I mean, I've always thought I was like, how much of this is just pr- pr- like prodding? Hey, let's poke the bear. But I mean, I, he's he's a Clippers season ticket holder, or used to be. I don't know if he still is. I mean, he's obviously got some dedication to the sport. He wrote that book about the Celtics. I mean, he's obviously knows what he's talking about most of the time. But I mean, hey, we all have our own hot takes that we believe. So I mean, I get it. Well, I mean, here's this is always my pushback as a guy that like works in social and works pretty closely with talent, uh, you know, across the board. It's there's there's two options. It's either you're somebody that has opinions, expresses them, believes in them, and sometimes people get mad about it. Or you're just somebody that says things because you know people will agree with it, and you always err on the side of you know kind of the, the the normal opinion or the mass opinion. And if we all just agreed on all the shit that we say, like that'd be a pretty boring experience as sports fans. Oh, and yeah, good point. The thing that I love about you know the authenticity that you get from somebody like Bill or Chris Ryan, who's from Philly, diehard Sixers fan. Obviously, we've got a contingent of Philly guys in the office as well. Um, Chris is actually one of the other uh, Thunder defenders within the office, so uh, it's good to have him on our side. But, you know, all of us as sports fans, uh, you know, have reasons for why we pull for the teams that we pull for. And we were kind of shaped by that as we developed either, you know, working in this industry or just paying attention as fans. And to ever really say you fully, truly get away from that, which I know a lot of journalists do, um, you know, it, it's, it takes a lot of specific energy to detach yourself from the things that you grew up being passionate about. And the thing that I love about having the opportunity to be at the ringer is we don't really go down that path. It's, you know, be you, be genuine, care about what you care about, write about what you care about, you know, report on what you're passionate about, talk about what you love on podcasts. And, you know, that, that's, that's kind of, you know, we do, we spend a lot of time covering stuff, um, that, you know, sports fans may disagree with opinion wise. And a lot of the things might not be the most clickable things in the world. Uh, but you know, the, we're not out there it's quality just trying over to, quantity. Yeah. It's genuine. It's yeah. just, it's truly, yeah. truly genuine. That's why I like uh, Grantland so much. Grantland. Oh, RIP. Um, no, that's why like I said, I've always liked Bill. I mean, I don't always agree with what he says. Um, but no, I like the ringer. It's they've always done a great job. I uh I don't remember his name, but network that guy. I watch his stuff all the time. Dude's hilarious. Jason Concepcion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Freaking. I, if, if I, it, the fact that he's not his actual like Twitter image he's had for years, it just that kind of was a letdown. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is his dog. Milton does spend a lot of time in the office. So no, um, no, definitely. Um, so we're, we'll try to move it along here. I'm glad we were able to talk about the ringer. I was going to ask you about that because um, it's pretty amazing. I will say this about detaching. It, it, it does kind of suck, though, because I've kind of ingrained myself in that because I started out just working – most people know this, but I started out working out in Walgreens Pharmacy. It was a tech, five pills, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30. Got a 30-day supply. Boom. Let's go. I know how to type in prescriptions, and I know how to bullshit insurance. I know how to do that stuff. But I, started, I did this, and I moved into a, uh, a full-time thing. I do that. Now I do it, and it's just 
it's different. Like I, me and me and the girlfriend, we have Thunder season tickets. We go to games sometimes as as fans. And she goes, "This sucks." She goes, "You don't cheer anymore." Because I'm so used to when I'm at games, I'm paying attention to different things. I'm not watching the ball. I'm watching off the ball. I'm watching other things. And she goes, "It's not as fun." So she'll go by herself with her friends. But yeah, like, and it, sometimes I get into it, and then I'm just so freaking heartbroken, and I forget. That's why we love sports, man. That heartbreak. I mean, we, we want to win every time, but that heartbreak, it's just something different. So. That's that's why I'm lucky as a guy from Pittsburgh to have, you know, like the Pirates and the Penguins, which, uh, you know, neither of those teams, especially being the winner now. reward right there. Well, yeah, and even, but even coming from, like, Fox Sports, uh, you know, MLB on Fox is great, but the Pirates were never really relevant enough to cover on a national level. So I was kind of always able to just follow the Penguins and the Pirates as just a fan. Um, you know, obviously back-to-back cups for the Pens the last two years. Uh, I, I'm able to still experience that crushing heartbreak. Um, but man, as much as I try to just be, you know, a casual basketball observer, um, you know, even knowing the Thunder probably weren't going to win it all this year, uh, seeing them go out the way they did, I just felt sick for two days. I'll tell you right now, was... I, I was f- fully bought in. I was ready to print up some shirts before that Dre injury. Because the way we had beaten the Warriors the first time, hell, we beat them two, the first two times. We beat ones without Trey. But the way we beat them was different. And that's why I was like, you know what? This team might actually – I know it's tough to beat the Warriors in seven games. Like, it's nearly impossible. Look at the the, the Rockets. They played seven games, one without Chris Paul. And still, they say – the Warriors players say the best team they played in the last four years was the Thunder team they beat. Um, and that's why they say mm-hmm. the best. The best thing about Kevin Durant and going the Warriors were they hurt the Thunder more than they helped themselves. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, back on the Warriors, we've talked about this before. But my, the one thing I I just don't get, and I don't understand how the Warriors were able to talk him in not to do a sign and trade. That was my, that's the craziest thing about all that. They were like, "Hey, don't hard cap us by taking a sign and trade. Just come here so we can make moves." I'm just like, you just won seventy three games and you're trying to make moves. I don't understand. And how he's like, "Yeah, that sounds right." Instead of the, yeah, sure. Why not? Everybody else is signing trade. LeBron did sign trade. Why? I'm not going to do what LeBron did, despite winning all those titles. I mean, it just blew yeah. my mind. I mean, my my take on all this is, you know, I as frustrating as it can be at sometimes. It's you know, like when they sign Boogie, it's you know, I can't hate them for being better at what they're doing than everybody else right now. And when you look at the Boogie I, I, thing, why, yeah. The reason I love what the Lakers are doing right now, uh, they, they've got LeBron, they want Kawhi right now, but you don't want to break the bank to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the NBA as a whole, both the players and front offices, learned so much from the Denver, uh, from the Nuggets Knicks mellow deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, he could have waited a year and they could have had him. And, you know, maybe he got a little less money, but he would have had a team around him. And that team could have potentially won. Uh, you know, they might not have won a championship, but they damn sure would have been more competitive than the, the the empty closets that he was left with yep. uh so yep. i think that's all you know what can we get without giving up too much and i i think the thunder almost today ended up in the exact opposite scenario where it's like what can we give up and maybe get something in return uh and then the the icing on the cake here is regardless of what happens with uh schroeder and tlc it, they've got players that they're going to be paying this money to that could potentially contribute versus stretching mellow after the release and, or the buyout. And they would have just had dead money against the cap. Yeah. So it's actual production for the money that they'll be investing this season. hundred percent. Um, so we do have some thunder quit, uh, questions here. We're going to rapid fire through some, my mentions have been on fire all day long. Um, so we'll just try to go through some here. Uh, one that you won't be able to answer, 
But ticket prices went up when Melo, the Thunder got Melo, and will they be going down any now? Sorry, now the Thunder are not decreasing prices at all. Like that doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint. And they only went up. They they we were told about the increase two years before it actually happened, so we knew it was coming. It, it happened before they even got Melo. I mean, they're just I, I want to say inflation. I mean, Gen- the, the cheapest ticket in the building is twelve dollars. So. General rule of thumb: tickets are never going to go down. No. <laughs> even if the Thunder go four and seventy-eight, the tickets are going to stay right where they're at. So um, I don't think they'll be going down anytime soon. Um, but thank you, David and Linda. I'm not saying all those numbers, but David and Linda, joint Twitter account. Hope it's not like joint Facebook accounts. <laughs> joint Facebook accounts. I, I'm always just. I don't know about you, but the, the first thing I thought is, man, who cheated? That's first bad thing. news. That's the first thing I think. I was like, who cheated? Why do, why do you need a joint Facebook account? Nobody had something great happen and then be like, you know what? Let's get on Facebook together. Yeah. Let's share it. And then I got to put like a, a Dash and Linda or Dash and David. Like we got to specify. Yeah. Just imagine David is on a alt-right side. Yeah. No, hold on. This is David. This isn't Linda. Linda's a little bit more left, but I'm a little bit more right. I mean, no. It's but I would, I, would, I would absolutely friend request uh, Russ and Paul George Facebook account. I would be buddies with them. Uh, so, fun fact, Nick Collison, the first few years, he was accepting people on Facebook. And then he had, <laughs> and before he had a Facebook page. So we're talking 08 before. Then he made a page and unfriended everyone. Of course he was, though. Like, I mean, of, but that makes smart, though. I mean, let, keep it personal. Let him have a personal life, man. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, Gr- Patterson will start at the, who's going to start at the um, four spot? Does this mean uh, we need another shooter? "Quote unquote Beasley time." That's from Graham Lynn, twenty-three. Man, Michael Beasley on this team. I'm gonna pass. Look, Beasley. Beasley's a dude that there's gonna be two or three games wherever he ends up this year where he goes off and everybody's gonna talk about this is Kansas State Michael Beasley all over again. Thirty points, twenty rebounds. We knew what he could do. What if he reached <laughs> the potential? Uh, but it's like a it's like a poor man's mellow, really. Like what you'd be looking at productivity wise from him. Uh, it's no, no. I'm out on that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I think it's Netherlands Noel. I, I like the, him the stretch to four, and he can he doesn't have to play like 40 minutes at the four. He can back up, change it up. But I like him at the four. I think he can stretch it and play some defense. So that's me. But um, next question: Should TLC back up George, or does OKRE have more capable backup in Diallo? Hamadou Diallo has not been signed yet. Um, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't really seen TLC play, so I am kind of out on the on that one. I you know I, I learned a lot about him today. Uh, uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy wrote a piece on the Ringer, um, which was uh, uh, just re- it's sort of evaluating the transaction today, and you know bookmarking. <laughs> it's a great piece. Check it out. Uh, but you know, basically, she described TLC as a guy that there were high hopes for him being a stretch the floor, you know, corner three shooter and he just kind of hasn't delivered he has i think he's shot like mid 30 mid to low 30s from three 29 um, there you go so it's no no he shot 32 percent. schroeder was 29 percent. oh boy but here's the thing on schroeder though and here's my kind of are like my defense of how like the trade i think it's a great trade for him he are we in agreement that he was the number one option in atlanta this year so they're putting their best defender on him, and now he's shooting these god-awful percentages, but he still scored 20 points a game. And But I think you put him fifth op- fourth, fifth option on the floor, he's going to be able to score some points and do it efficiently, I think. 
this is going to be the thing with Schroeder. Uh, I know we haven't really talked too much about him, but hey, you know, Royce Royce Young tweeted earlier. Uh, you know, Schroeder appears to be excited about his move, and if you're wondering, he spoke to Presti and Billy Donovan before the trade and understands his role will be sixth man. Uh, you know, it, it seemed like he had a little. Like he he has wanted to be the guy, and it. My initial reaction to this was like, uh oh, this is going to be trouble. Um, but he seems like he's fully on board. You know, his he had an Instagram post that it was just him in a Thunder jersey with like a caption that was just star eyes. Horrible Photoshop. It's god awful. <laughs> Bad jersey photoshops are my he favorite part of the album. He should have. All right, so it's funny. I had a compliment on. I did one basically the same jersey. It's like here, I did it. I was like, you should contact me. It's probably the best one I've ever done. As someone on my on our Thunder Digest Instagram goes, hey, this is really good. It doesn't look like it was done on MS Paint. So that's how <laughs> I, I've grown. <laughs> Um, you didn't answer this question, so I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Drew underscore underscore 611, longtime follower, ask, what's the ceiling for this team? Yeah, I, I'm i going to say second best record in the West during the regular season and a Western Conference Finals appearance. Oh, I like that. Jordan P. Bange, B-E-N-G-E, I don't know how to say your last name. Sorry, Jordan. Uh, do you think Roberson would back up PG, just play a brand's T. Ferg and Schroeder at the two. I don't think they understand that Schroeder is a one, and he's too small to be a two. So we're gonna skip that guy. Um, and also, put them on the like those guys on the floor together is such an amazing like defensive t- like that is that is how you win. That is how you beat a team or are able to do, play with a team like Golden State. Right. Um, back at point guard. I mean, I think this is pretty obvious. Uh, Felton or Schroeder. I mean, we know it's Schroeder. Uh, I, I I'm curious to see them play together. I think Felton can play off the ball a little bit. He does it when he plays with Russ. Yeah, it's true. It'll be interesting to see which Felton we get this year. You know, every year, Ray Felton is a year older and potential to be a, a year of less skinnier. Um, but, you know, if Felton comes in in shape, is ready to run, and uh, can knock down some open shots, then, you know, I, that's not a bad two-man, one-two punch in backcourt on a second unit. Thunder random fan blog, OKC Thunder News underscore... They have like 15 followers. But either way, they, they good question here. Uh, who deserves to start, Grant or Patterson at the four? And do you think Melo deserves to be cheered or booed when he comes back to Oklahoma City? I'm going to answer mine. Melo thing, neither. Just a, just treat him like any other person. Don't boo him. We don't boo people on the lineup. Just nothing. I mean, he did his part. He tried. I mean, he's not a villain in Oklahoma City. Relatively big picture, inconsequential year in OKC. Uh, no hate for Mello. The, the he guy tried. He, he didn't say one bad word about the city. He gave it all of his effort. What more do you want? Yeah, he's thirty-four it, years old. <laughs> now he's just another dude on another team. Yeah, and uh, who starts at the four for you? I th- I think Jeremy Grant. I think he'd be paying think- that money. You got that nine million dollars. I think you probably have to start him. And I feel bad for Patterson. Uh, everybody thought he was going to start at the four. Then we brought in Mello. Now we've got Grant and Noel, and so yeah, he's just been kind of pushed by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, it's you earn you earn your spot though, and yeah, uh, that's true. You know, I mean, him being hurt didn't help. True, yeah. but them paying Grant what they did, I think, said a lot about their the team's organization's expectations for Patterson this season. Yeah, I was first to admit when we got him from Philadelphia, I didn't like the trade. I, I was hoping Ilya Silva would have stayed with the Thunder. I think he would have been good. Um, do you think Kyle Singler? And this is the last one we will take here. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap it up. This is by Liam Malone. A uh, long-time follower as well. I think he's been around since almost the beginning. Anyway, is Kyle Singler on the on the uh, roster when the season starts? Sure. 
I think, yeah, you have to because, I mean, right now they're at 13, 14 roster spots, and plus we have one two-way player. they got to fill those bodies, and what are you going to do, stretch him out for five years? No. You, you, you let him <laughs> sit on the bench. I mean, he's not hurting anyone besides financial, and quit worrying about the money. It's not your money. So Yeah, I, so I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's, when, when it matters, he's not going to be on the court. No. And when it matters less, like you said, he's a body – uh, he's, he's a veteran. He's, he's not going to be a locker room issue. Um, I, I really wish we could figure out a better haircut for him. Um, but that, that's really the only issue I have with Kyle. Sandler. I want him to grow. I don't know how you are about the walking dead. I want him to grow the mullet from Eugene in the walking dead. <laughs> Man, he, he's, he's kind of got a walking dead vibe to him after. And I, I want him to walk around. Like, well, I just tell, I want to tell you about this situation where I, I know where the cure is. <laughs> I look I, I will say this being on the same being on the same roster as Steven Adams there has to just be some level of uh you know inferiority always knowing that you're alongside the guy with the best hair and best beard in the entire league uh, so oh that's a bit of a hot take oh get Harden out of here Steven Adams is total okay I, I've never thought about best beard in the NBA it, it, it's all it's all a package it's all it's all part of the whole deal that hair without that beard not as good that beard without that hair not as good but when you bring the whole thing together nobody touches steven adams keep in mind i'm from pittsburgh i'm a diehard pit fan and i was heartbroken when he left after his freshman year but best beard best hair man have you gone back and looked at old pictures of him clean shaven oh that's my favorite thing it's a different person it's his progression of uh, media day picks over the first five years of his career is one of my favorite. That's that's something that that you should work on for for the site. Is just no, like, I literally have an idea in my head right now. I already got it. <laughs> but no, he went from hey hey mate, this is a job interview. I'm clean shaven, and all of a sudden he goes, and now this is Stephen Adams, a hundred million dollars later. He's like, Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know about you, how close you are to Comic Con. Apparently his comic book was released at Comic-Con today. I'm going to have to get that. I'm not a comic book guy, but I'm going to figure that out. I'm pretty disappointed that I didn't know that that was happening. Yeah, I didn't know that it was released today. Uh, all right, Patrick, uh, plug yourself here at the end. Uh, you, uh, you guys can follow me anywhere. Uh, Pat Muldowney, uh, pretty much across the board on social. Uh, more importantly, follow The Ringer. Um, that's what I get paid to produce content for. Nobody really cares about my personal accounts. Uh, but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I just want to say it doesn't make sense as a guy from Pittsburgh that moved to Connecticut and then moved to Los Angeles that I ended up a diehard Thunder fan. Um, but here we are. Um, I how, how did that post- happen? <laughs> Sum it up as briefly as I can. Um, in 08, I was dating a girl. We both worked at ESPN. The Thunder moved from Seattle to OKC. And she had worked with the Hornets when they were in Oklahoma City. Um, so she moved back home from Bristol to Oklahoma City to work on, with the team. Uh, I mean, it's in, not Sarah, is it? It is not. Okay. No, because I know somebody who worked at ESPN named Sarah, and she did that. That's why I was like, wait, do we know the same person? But no, we don't. Um, uh, so she came back to work that in in-game. Awkward. And, uh, I came back. I, I was actually there. Thunders, the, the first ever Thunder preseason game that they hosted – uh, in, in Oklahoma City was against uh, the Clippers. Uh, it was still before they had the court. It was just a generic basketball court. Um, Are you talking about the Hornets, Thunder, or the Hornets, Oklahoma City, or the Thunder? The Thunder, the Thunder's first game. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. game. Uh, it was against the Clippers, and I was there for that. Um, and I was just hooked. It was my first trip to the city. 
uh, and I fell in love with the people. Uh, I fell in love with, you know, just Bricktown and keep in mind, I was coming from, you know, central Connecticut. My, my, it didn't take a lot to impress me, uh, but Oklahoma city blew me out of the water. The people were great. The people that I met within the organization were great. Uh, and obviously that year being a, a team with, uh, KD and Jeff Green and Russ's rookie season, uh, and then adding Harden, it was, it was a pretty easy team to get behind, even though. That was back in the P.J. Carlissimo era, and it wasn't a great season to really follow them, uh, at least on the wins and losses side. Uh, no, but when, no, when you stick through a season like that and uh, really fall in love with an organization and then stick it through uh, afterwards, um, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. So we'll wrap this up since you talked about that. So the first ever starting lineup for the Thunder, Nick Collison, Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, Johan Petro, Petro. and Tonight. the recently fired... Earl Watson. Man. Incredible. Yep. They lost Stick- to the Bucks 98 to uh, 98-87. And I'll tell you, I was not a Thunder fan before that game. I didn't even like the Hornets. I, I've been a Pacer fan. I grew up. I love Reggie Miller. I don't like him as a commentator, but I loved him as a player. I loved everything about his antics, all of it. Um, but no, a buddy of mine's like, no, come on, we'll get tickets. He like paid some ticket prizes, bought me beers, and I was hooked. It's incredible, man. You can't and, beat the experience. No, it was pretty – it's my first ever NBA game, too, so I was, like, I was definitely hooked. But, uh, Patrick, thanks for coming on, talking Thunder, Mellow, and the other NBA stuff. Uh, make sure you follow him and follow The Ringer, follow their good stuff. And, Patrick, thank you once again. Chuck, my pleasure. Let's do it again soon. Make sure you guys subscribe, follow us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and anywhere else. If, if you don't, we're not anywhere where you listen to it and you want to besides SoundCloud, let me know. I'll make sure it happens. And we're out tonight. What a perfect ending to a historic day! Lesson learned, my best look. You jump sides on me, now you about to meet Westbrook. We are the Stash Brothers, and we approve this podcast.